Hey guys, welcome to the Drone Horizon podcast. I'm Alex and today I'm joined by Jay Paul. Jay, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name's Jay. Um, on Instagram, Jay Paul Adventures. Um, I got into drone photography mainly just, I wanted to see, see like a different side of photography. Um, I was bored of the whole point and shoot sort of thing. Um, and I wanted to sort of get more into the, the drone side of things and be able to get things from an aerial perspective and long range and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, that's where I sort of dragged myself into it and just worked my way up and getting better, better drones. Cool. Well, thanks for taking time out of your day. Um, as always, we've asked you to send over a um, couple of shots that you've taken. Um, we'll start with one of them, which is the one of you sort of standing on a rock in the middle. So obviously you mentioned that you've got tons of favourite shots, but sort of why this one in particular? So that one was the most recent one, actually. That one was um, the Cobbler. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I have heard of it. Yeah, so that's a, a well-known mountain in Scotland. Um I chose that one. I mean, look at, I mean, you can see the picture yourself, the sun, the snow, the rock, everything was sort of perfect. Um, you don't get many days like this in Scotland. You know, if you're a drone flyer in Scotland, your days are numbered, you know, <laughs> you've got with the wind and the rain against you, you've, you've got to get it up in the sky um, when you can really. So this shot for me, it was one of the more dangerous ones as well. Um, climbing up on that rock there, you can probably see the snow and the ice laying on the rock. Um, there was a couple of sketchy moments, which I'm glad I didn't really get on drone, <laughs> um, where I slipped. It's called threading the needle, this rock. So you go through like a, an archway that's cut into the rock and you have to climb up it to get on top of it. Right. Hence the name threading the needle you go through to get up. Um, yeah, this was without a doubt the scariest shot I've took because you're, you're really open to the elements and it's... Yeah, <laughs> one of those, if you fall, you'll know about it. What's the drop like on the other side of that? Because obviously we can sort of see the rock that you would have walked up to get to there, but what's what's the drop like on the other side? Oh, it's sheer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's straight down. Yeah, there's no, there's no forgiveness. If you fall off that, you're brown bread, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic shot. You've got some really, obviously, you've managed to really get the perspective and like seeing how small you look on that rock in comparison to the background as well. It's the mountain layers that I, I sort of look for. So like when you see the, the backdrop there, you've got layer after layer of mountains and it's just, that's what I tend to go for. They're absolutely stunning. Yeah, definitely. Um, you said obviously this was your most recent shot. Was that sort of in the last couple of months or? No, no that was last weekend. Last weekend. Wow. Okay. So really, really not that long ago. Yeah, cool. Um, so, I mean, you obviously mentioned that was in Scotland. I know Scotland is where you're based at the minute, if I'm right in thinking. Yes, that's correct, yep. So for those who don't know, um, Jay's gone away from living in a home and has moved into a van. Was that something that you sort of had always wanted to do or was it something due to circumstances? So I'd always envisioned living in a van. I started doing my camper van um, sort of the beginning of the lockdown. I got it February, March time. I started converting it got the conversion finished so I sort of started going away in it quite a lot and then realized that it wasn't quite fit for purpose so I ragged it all out those of those who watch this will know if you've done a van conversion you're never happy with it you finish it you rip it out you finish it you rip it out you know I'm at a stage now where I am happy with it it's all about storage because I'm now living in it especially you know 
in such a small space, you've got to get everything, you know? So it's, it's one of those where I, I had to rip it out and just do it all again. Um, and in terms of sort of wanting to live in the van, yeah, I'd, I'd always wanted to live in a van. Circumstances sort of pushed me that way. Um, I'll go into, I was with an ex-partner and we sort of, we, we, we broke up and things, you know, it's no, no shame in saying um, we broke up and I just thought, do you know what? Why as a single guy, would I move into a property in Edinburgh that's going to cost me 850, 900 pounds a month when I can move into a van that's going to cost me 90 pounds a month? You know, I look at, I look at my bank and I praise it every single month now since I've moved in the van, you know, and I'm not putting it into some landlord's hands and I'm getting to spend it on things I actually love doing, you know, photography, adventures, doing all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Good. Well, it's a very obviously it's a unique situation to be in for yourself. And obviously, you mentioned that you were going to sort of move into Edinburgh. So, do you just sort of move around to Scotland wherever the weather's nicest? Then is that how it sort of kind of works? So I'm based. I'm based work-wise in Edinburgh, um, and around that I sort of move location. So, have you ever been to Edinburgh, Alex? Have you? Yes. So we've got a lot of coastline and we've got a lot of like beaches, a lot of lovely areas. So I sort of drift from north berwick all the way up to south queens ferry the bridges and i just go like the coastal routes there and i dot my van everywhere here there and everywhere you know uh, i've got a main location that i like portobello anyone wants to come see me come down um, so, yeah. um portobello is sort of the place where i sort of hang out a lot of yeah cool and how does that sort of work with in regards to sort of like parking up and that kind of thing is because obviously i most of sort of the coastal routes and that kind of thing there's probably laybys and that you can pull over is that just sort of you just sort of find a place to pull over at night i just aim for like sort of out of the way sort of little quiet areas you know like in portobello we've got a car park there's quite a, a community of like camper people down there uh and i've got a neighbor who i stay with and you know we, we kind of have food together we go away for walks together and stuff and it is quite nice um but when i go away like further afield i do tend to just go for like laybys pulling into sort of like shrubbed areas where the van's hidden i mean i don't know if you've seen the van it's military green yeah so it hides pretty well um, yeah, definitely. in the green so uh, yeah i just tend to go for quiet areas where i'm not disturbing people not sort of crossing the boundaries of people's people's land and stuff like that yeah definitely and i suppose you get some obviously being able to sort of just pull over and stay a night wherever you like you get that unique perspective of being able to wake up and see some incredible probably sunrises and sunsets that kind of thing it's incredible like the the places i've stayed i mean the isle of sky uh glencoe these are some iconic places where you just think to wake up there usually you're in a tent you know and, and you're freezing and the wind's coming in i can wake up in my van i can open my door take that fresh air in, take that view in a few snapshots and it's just yeah it's the feeling that you get is freedom that's the only thing i can say yeah yeah, I mean, it's probably, it's it's sort of every photographer's dream, really, to be able to sort of find somewhere and stay there and, and wake up for that moment. I mean, so many photographers, obviously, they, they have the houses and then when it when they decide that they want to go on a photography shoot, you know, they'll go, they'll camp and then they'll wake up the next morning, as you say, freezing, and then, you know, you take your pictures. There we go. <laughs> um, no, that's all right. Um, you know, you take your pictures and that kind of thing, but obviously for yourself, you're you're able to go wherever you want and I suppose having that freedom really is something unique to your situation yeah it's I mean I've spoken to photographers in the past and they mentioned like getting up at 4am 3am to travel to these locations and set off at mad times to get there and and like you say for me when I stay there I can get up at 
6am, 7am, get out, wait for the sunrise and get some of the best shots that I've ever got. You know, it's only recently where I've really discovered like the shots that I really like to take, you know, like it takes a while to get that niche and, and, and find your sort of zone where you really, you can zone into. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, sort of just looking at the shots that you've sent over, they all seem to be very consistent in the style that you've taken in terms of you sort of having that focal point on you and giving the perspective to the rest of the shots. I mean, the second shot that you've sent over uh, is you sort of standing in the middle on like a little crest. Um, do you want to talk us through that one? Because that's a fantastic shot. Yes, that. so that location there, have you ever heard of Anakiga Ridge? I don't know if that's, I mean, I mind mis- mispronouncing that if people have heard of this. Anakiga Ridge is the ridge that goes down the right-hand side of Glencoe. Um, it's a well-known ridge. Now, about halfway along that ridge, you come to a downward slope, which you can probably see there, the grassy slope that goes down. And I spotted that just going over, and I saw it on the end, and I thought, oh, my goodness, what a shot that would be. So I got down there, stood on the end, and again, Alex, like, like the previous shot, this is not a place where you want to stand for too long and get a bit dizzy, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was chatting to a guy a couple of weeks back when, when we were doing the podcast and we were saying that when you get to those points where you've got like a sheer drop in front of you and you're going from concentrating on what's below you to what's on your phone, it can really start to throw off your, your balance and it almost makes you doubt yourself, doesn't it? Very. I found it there especially. So everything's massive next to you. You've got, oh, sorry, it's, it keeps cutting out. No, it's okay. Um You've got, in, in front of you, you've got massive mountains, which are the three sisters of Glencoe. At each side, you've got massive cliff faces. Um, and yeah, I think going with the drop that's in front of you, while I'm looking down at my drone and I'm trying to map its path in which I want it to fly, I'm looking down, I'm looking up, I'm looking down, I'm getting vertigo. I'm like, holy, whoa. <laughs> and there was a yeah. moment, I've got, I've got a video from that shot uh, where I flew it over. And on the video... I was feeling a bit, oof, and I had to like step down a little bit because I felt a bit sick. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things. Uh, there was a shot that I took when I was down in Boscastle in Cornwall, and it's the same kind of thing. You sort of get to the edge and you almost, you have to psych yourself up for it almost. And obviously when, when the drop is, it was nowhere near as big a drop as that. But, you know, I can imagine when you're standing there, it can be a bit obviously daunting and, you know, you, at the same time, you want to make sure that you're getting the shot, but at the same time, it's it's sort of that balancing up between the two. But yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic shot. Um, it's not somewhere I've been, but obviously with yourself being able to, I suppose if you drive past somewhere when you know you're heading somewhere, you think, oh, I'll come back there tomorrow kind of thing. So Yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, that ridge is a really well-known ridge. Um, a lot of people who do the Monroe climbing and things like that, a lot of climbing in Scotland know that ridge and, and you know, know that it's, it is unforgiving. Um it, it's it's crazy crazy like pinnacles there's on there there's pinnacles there's ridges there's everything on there is like against you yeah. when you first go up there you you come up a really steep climb and then when you're on the top you have to immediately drop down the back of this mountain and when you're dropping down the back you're faced with like black rocks which are slippy as anything if you fall you're gone you know if that, that's it end of story um, yeah. and then from that you've got this big ridge path that goes all the way along the top of these mountains. And yeah, I don't know if you want to have a look obviously after this, but there's a bit called the crazy pinnacles. It's, it's just crazy. You've got to climb over the tops of these rocks and each side you've got massive drops. Yeah, not for the faint hearted at all. Yeah, definitely. 
I mean, is is climbing something that you do in addition to sort of the photography and that kind of thing, or is it more just sort of, I'd say, adventuring, but you know what I'm getting at kind of thing? So this is where my sort of love for photography came from. Um, I started doing, so before I had Instagram and stuff like that, I was doing the mountains pre- previous to that, and I started taking pictures, you know, just on my phone and things, and just taking the odd shots and thought, you know, if I could better this shot, if I could better this photography, these shots would be amazing, you know. And, and what better place to get photography when I'm up a mountain and, and, and get that perspective of the, the distance, you know, how small I am compared to this massive mountain, you know. And that's where my sort of love for it came from. Uh, the extreme sort of climbing and mountaineering combined with sort of the art and sort of and the beauty of photography, you know, so... Yeah, and I suppose obviously when you spend all that time getting to those places, you want to capture it and as best you can. And I was ch- I was chatting with um, George Cooper yesterday, um, and we were saying that it's all about capturing what you see with your eyes. And obviously with cameras and drones, it sometimes that can be very difficult um, because obviously they see things in a two D format, whereas obviously we see things in a three D. So being able to capture that sort of depth and perspective is can sometimes be really challenging. But obviously you've managed to do that really well in your shots, just by giving yourself as a focal point, but also by having that mixture of sort of foreground and background, which works really well. Yeah, it's, and that that was my problem before. So I couldn't quite get that depth, that depth of field with the shot. I couldn't quite get the the distant, you know, the distant mountains and stuff. Whereas now I've got the drone, I can get higher up, I can get further away. You know, the shots that I've taken there, my drone is like off the edge of the mountain, you know, uh, looking right towards me. So, yeah, previously I could never have got shots. I'd have had a shot from here, you know, of me, my face. Who wants to see my ugly puss, you know, in the shot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they want to see what's there. You know, I'm there just as sort of the ant on the rock, so... Yeah, definitely. And obviously you want to do it justice and, and make people appreciate it. And as you said, like rightly, it, it makes you realise how small you are in such a big place. Like it really gives you, as a, as a photographer, it gives you the perspective of how little you really are. Um, and sort of looking at, even looking at the third shot, I mean, you've captured again that really well. Once again, you've got you on the right hand side and then almost like a stream running diagonally through the middle with some mountains off to the the left so did you want to sort of talk us through that one as well yeah so again like this these these shots are all all based on getting that depth getting that getting that long distance view you know i could i could take a picture of a mountain after mountain after mountain after mountain but a picture a picture of a mountain is just a picture of a mountain there's no like you say there's no showing you the sheer size or the height or you know the scary sort of moments that you're at there's no sort of depth to that shot so with that shot there again it was just a sort of a display of look where i am and and sharing the beauty of where i am because that was the, that was the, my main reason for setting up instagram was to share these amazing locations where i can get to and where i can get access to and you know sort of persuade others to do the same you know i want i want to share where i go i want to share my adventures and i want people to look and think wow this guy goes some amazing places like where is this place you know share this place and get these people out there as well because over lockdown more and more people have got into like traveling to the mountains and stuff and and getting out and and seeing these locations and some of them are dangerous so i don't advise on everyone going to these locations you know have a bit of experience have a bit of take the right kit with you because these mountains can really bite and they'll bite hard if the weather turns, definitely. Yeah, 
definitely. And I mean, just with your, um, as you sort of said, your shots are more about telling the story of how where you've got to rather than specifically going somewhere to take a picture of it. It's more about sort of you and how you've got there and, and capturing that moment as opposed to, you know, guys that just go somewhere to take a picture, whether that be for Instagram or for print. So you've sort of got like um, a different way of looking at the photography, which is quite nice because it's more focused on you and your achievements rather than sort of solely for for showing everybody else, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I want to show the achievement of, hey, I've completed this Monroe. Hey, I've completed this mountain. And look at the view, you know, look at the beauty from here, you know, because as many memories as I've got of, of climbing all these mountains, I can't quite picture every single one. So to capture each one in a different way and capture a different view from a different angle and a different height and this, you know, it, it's beautiful to be able to capture these images in such a way. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you mentioned with sort of going mountaineering and that kind of thing that you have to be conscious about what you're sort of packing and bringing with you because obviously the elements can sometimes be against you. Do you want to talk us through sort of what bag you use, what drone you take with you, sort of what goes in your bag when you go shooting? Yes, I, I tend to use Osprey equipment. Um, just in, in terms of mountaineering and stuff, I've always used Osprey. They're, they're fantastic. Their customer service is second to none. I've broke so many clips with my fat gut stretching it, you know, and <laughs> and popping the clips, you know, and breaking them and stuff. And they have them sent out free like next day and stuff like that. So, you know, the, the, the service of, of Osprey packs and, and the quality of them, you know, they're so hard wearing, amazing and, and comfort big time. When I'm doing 3000 footman rows, you know, when I'm doing these mountains, I don't want to be shoulders in agony, back in agony. You know, I want to be absolute comfort. And I've always found the best in Osprey. Um, in terms of drones <laughs> carrying bags, I'm not going to lie, Alex. I just slam it in the bag. I just chuck it in there. No, nothing wrong with that. I keep it in a little sort of like bag to keep like moisture away from it. But I just chuck it in there, mate, and chuck the batteries in there and up I go. Um, in terms of kit, yeah, be sure to take plenty of warm kit no matter what the season. I've been in previous, on Anakiga Ridge, actually, the one where I'm in the orange jacket with that view. You wouldn't believe it. So that was September. Wow. We came we came over the top of this mountain and it started snowing. And I, I couldn't believe it. I said to my friend Liam, I was like, this is September. Scotland is the most bipolar place I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Just crazy. So, yeah, in terms of kit, you need to be prepared for everything. The rain, the, the snow, the wind, you know. Be prepared for everything. I, I've, I've people have to have people say to me, pack light, you know, be prepared for for getting tired up a mountain. I'm like, sod packing light. Who packs light? You know, I'm packing everything. I'm packing my three bedroom house in this bag, mate. Like, <laughs> I want everything in here. If I'm up that mountain, I'm gonna get stuck. I'm gonna get stuck in comfort. Yeah, definitely. You got you got to be prepared for anything. And obviously, with what you're doing and some of the areas being so remote, you do have to be prepared for for everything. Yeah, and food, another big one. I've met so many people up mountains who are like, oh, I'm hungry, I'm feeling a bit weak, I'm feeling a bit shaky. I'm like, have you got food? No, no, we didn't think to bring anything. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, you've just done a Munro. The calorie, your calorie deficiency is going to be massive. Like, the amount of calories you consume going up a Munro. And, and I carry a lot of weight, so it's going to be huge. I must eat, I'm not going to lie, I mean... 
if any dietitians are listening to this, please close your ears now, because I must eat about four Snickers. <laughs> um, honestly, biscuits, Jaffa cakes, everything. I, I just calories just get in me. Well, it's, I mean, especially when you're exerting that that much effort into getting to those places, you you do have to look after yourself because the only way you're going to get back is by looking after your body and. If you don't do that, then then you're not going to be going back. So it you know it, it is worth it for for what you're doing, and obviously you've got to adapt. And you know some people might find that they get better energy from eating other things, but obviously you found what works for yourself, and and that's important in getting you back every night. Yeah, it's. I mean, you learn. I know a lot of a lot of people. You do learn from your mistakes in this game. You do. You learn big time. So I learned hard, really, taking up like sweets and stuff. It's short-lived energy. You'll, you'll have a boost for for maybe like half an hour or something. And then after that, you'll find yourself feeling really crap. Um, you do really need to eat good. I always do take a solid meal for the top, whether it's, um, you know, you sort of dried packs that you add water to, uh, a good high calorie meal and stuff like that. I do tend to take stuff up like that. I snack on like biscuits, Snickers, stuff like that as I'm on the move, uh, beef jerky and things. But when I get to the top, I do stop, pause, think right I need to look after myself here I've got the downward pit now and a lot of people forget coming off of a Monroe is usually the hardest part um, because your legs are tired from going up one two three Monroes coming down you start to get leg failure you start to feel weak you start to feel you start to feel really 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 rubbish on the downward slope so that's when you do really need to look out and maybe consider having walking poles and high energy food to to really look after you at that time yeah definitely um, so, in sort of in terms of drones, what drone do you use, and do you take any sort of camera equipment with you as well, or is it just mainly your drone and obviously what you've already said? So I progressed from I had a um, what was it a I had a D fifty six hundred camera um, that was just sort of your point and shoot. I got bored of that very quick, used it a couple of times, and thought. I'm not into staying still and standing here and taking a picture and waiting for ages. Um, so I moved on to the Mavic Mini. Uh, the Mavic Mini, I could say bad things, I could say good things. It's a great little drone for a starter drone. Um, I found in wind, don't take it out of its box because it will not come back to you. <laughs> yeah. I've, so many times I've, I've gone, oh no. I'm going to chase my drone now because it's not coming back to me. Um, so, yeah, good shots. Image image shot-wise, they can be a bit noisy sometimes. They can be a bit messy. Uh, quite a lot more editing is needed with it because it doesn't pick up the colour as good as uh, my new drone, which I'll mention now. I've just upgraded to the um, Mavic Air 2. Nice. The Air 2 is a fantastic bit of kit. Um, I spoke to DJI themselves I rang them up and I said look I've got a Mavic Mini what drone would you recommend sort of for a photographer who does mountains and stuff like this the guy was as honest as anything with me he said look you've got your Ford Focus you've got your Bentleys and you've got your Lamborghinis he said you've got your Lamborghini which is the pro you know the, the two pro you've got your, 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 you've got your Air 2 and then you've got your Mini. He said, if I was you going into any mountain, outdoor, wet, rainy situation, I wouldn't take the Pro. He said, simply because of the value behind that drone. If you crash that drone, you're going to cry. You know, it's like, if you if you take the Air 2 and you've got it insured and stuff like that and, and you have a crash, it's a hardy drone. You know, it's a really good drone and I've touch wood, 
I've not crashed it yet. Um, I've come close to having a few rocky encounters with it. Um, but due to the sensors and stuff, which is what I found lacked on the Mavic Mini, lacks those sensors. It's got the downward sensor and that's it. You know, so I find with this Air 2, I'm able to trust the drone more. If I showed you footage from before, of video, like videography stuff, sort of, I didn't really trust the um, Mavic Mini. I was always watching it, like, where is it, you know? Uh, with the Air 2, I sort of just leave it and trust the uh, the built-in built-in system. Yeah, I mean, the Air 2 is definitely a better drone, just sort of all round. Obviously, it's that next series up, but it is just, on the whole, sort of more reliable. And that's what you want from a drone, is reliability. I mean, as you said, the Mini is a great drone for guys that are just starting out, and it's sort of a nice introduction to the drone and, and what is possible and yet it's still got a reasonably good camera on it you know it gives you that taste yeah. to then sort of lure you in to spend even more money with dji if that's the way that you decide to go but obviously the air 2 is air 2 is a fantastic drone and i mean you probably notice even more of a difference in terms of the transmission between the remote and the drone obviously it uses a different technology to wi-fi which obviously makes it a lot more reliable where you are i was i was just going to touch on that yeah so I found if I was in Edinburgh City and I was getting a photo of Carlton Hill or the castle or something like that, the drone on the, 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 the signal on the mini would cut very quick. It would cut out very quick because of all the transmission around it, all the mess in the air. It really didn't like flying in a built-up area. I find now with the Air 2, wow. I've, I've, I've flown it in the mountains. I mean, you're not meant to lose sight of them and this, that and the other, you know, but... Not that you do, of course. Not that I do, of course, Alex, you know. I mean, I can not. always, you know. Uh, when you fly it in the mountains, I totally trust where it is. And I totally trust that I'm not going to lose that signal. Um, and I, you, you do always have that signal strong. I found that when I was flying the Mini it'd go bitty, it'd go very grainy on screen, and then it'd go loss of signal. And I was like, ah, I'm just getting to the bit where I need to get the shot from, you know. Um, so, yeah, again, another plus on upgrading to the, uh, the, the Air 2 signal is incredible. You, you never, yeah. ever lose sight of it. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I had a similar thing. I previously had the Spark, um, which, again, worked on that same kind of Wi-Fi transmission. Um, and even when I went out to Norway last year, and even just flying it in quiet areas you'd fly it sort of 100 meter 150 meters away and the signal would start to go and it's just it's it's so frustrating especially when you've gone somewhere and you know you've got that opportunity to get the shot um, i mean i eventually ended up upgrading to the mavic pro the original mavic pro um, and the difference like you said is night and day just having that extra that that more reliability with it you trust it so much more and you know you can really maximize the potential from it rather than constantly worrying that this is going to be the last time that you're going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there was a few moments with, with the minute where it was going down. And I was like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? I haven't told you to go down and it's going down on its own. And I'm running like a madman, you know, Linford Christie across this mountain, like my drone's going down and I've managed to just gain signal again. And it's come back. And I'm like, I had a really sketchy moment at the um, fourth row bridges. Oh, Wow. So I'd flown my drone over the other side of the bridge. I could see it under the bottom of the bridge. I could see it, and I wanted to get a sort of like through shot. My drone lost signal, and it started saying returning to home. Well, it didn't return to home. It started going down in the location that it was. Well, this is over the sea, the water. 
it started going down, right? So on the map, I'm using the trace, like the map. I've gone looking for it. I couldn't see it anywhere. Literally, not kidding, when I found it, Alex, there was probably 30 centimetres to the water and the bank edge. And the drone had landed just on the water's edge. I was like, oh, thank God. Like, there was a God looking at my drone then because it would have buzzed and fizzed and just sunk to the depths of the water, you know? Yeah, and especially with, obviously, being over the sea, drones do not like salt water at all. There's been, obviously, cases I've seen online and that kind of thing. People have lost them into sort of fresh water and, you know, maybe take it apart and dry it and it's still usable, but not over sea. I think once it goes into salt water, that, that's it. You sort of need to start looking for a new one. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. How do you find the image quality on the Mavic Air 2? Because you're the first person I've spoken to that has a Mavic Air 2, so I'd sort of be interested to get your opinion on that kind of thing. They are incredible. It's, um, I mean, you've got you've got different, obviously, types of shot that you can take. You can take your 40 megapixel shot, or you can take, you take your standard shot um, with, with the camera. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm well, well chuffed with the, the quality of the camera. The video is wow second to none like it is incredible footage um i'll send you over some video footage alex after yeah go for it you've probably seen on my instagram actually um where it flies over the top of me i don't know if you saw that one yes yeah yeah the quality i mean instagram i hate because they compress squash destroy everything i'm yet to find a way to upload in high quality and retain that quality from a drone but yeah, it is so frustrating. Um, but in terms of, yeah, camera quality, absolutely incredible. Um, in some in some situations, like when I'm on the uh, the rock, the first image that we spoke about, you really, you have to put an ND filter on there, um, a low ND filter, just to sort of bring that light down a little bit. Because sometimes it can be a bit overpowering and you can't sort of get the depth of the mountains in there um, with a little bit of an edit on Lightroom. You can always sort of give a bit of a tweak here and there, but again, touching on my sort of photography, I don't like to over edit them. I, I like to keep them as much as the drone can pick out itself just because that's what I'm seeing. You know, I don't want to put a bright orange sky when there wasn't one there. You know, I don't want to put a moody sort of cloud look by dropping out, dropping out the exposure and things like that. Just by doing that, I want to see what what was actually there when I see it. Um, so yeah, the the camera for that, just ND filters and stuff, and sort of getting that depth better. Yeah. So do you, um, what brand ND filters do you use? I just use the ones that came with DJI. So I got the Fly More package when it came. Okay. And you you get three ND filters with that, um, and I find they're enough. You know, I don't need anything more than that. Um, I tend to just use the lower, the lower grade ND, uh, and put that one on. That just takes away sort of the the initial glare, because um, the sun can be the winter sun especially, is a nightmare to shoot in because you take a picture of anything and whatever you're taking a picture of just looks black because the background's so bright and so strong. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and sort of anyone that's just sort of starting out with the drone, is there any advice that you could sort of offer to guys that are just starting out? Yeah, I mean, the way I started, I started on a beach. I started just taking my drone to big, wide open areas. Get used to that flying coming towards you because everything's flipped then, you know? Uh, Make sure that you're able to steer, control, navigate properly because 
they're not toys, you know. They're a toy, but not toys, you know. It's it's a professional bit of equipment. If you hit somebody with that, if you hit a property with that, you know, you can cause damage with these larger drones now. I mean, the Mini, maybe not so much. It'll buzz off of you and you'll just go, yeah, whatever. Um, but with a, with a bigger drone, with the likes of the Pros and the, the Air 2s and stuff, and especially going up to your Phantom 4s and stuff like that, um, you can do some damage if that hits you or whips a finger like I've had with a blade, you know, you certainly feel it. Um, and yeah, like I said, just get into an open area and, and really practice um, and flying it around and getting the, the movements right. So yeah. Definitely. Cool. And sort of what's next for you then? Are you obviously with the situation at the minute in terms of you sort of living with your van kind of thing, is that something that you're planning to do for sort of a set period of time or is that sort of open-ended at the minute? Are you planning to sort of stick with your current job or are you wanting to go into sort of more sort of freelance adventure photography that kind of thing so i would like to remain living in the van for a while i think that's going to be a definite um get a bigger van march maybe so watch out on instagram for that there's going to be a bigger van coming soon i think um in terms of photography and things i'm trying to grow my instagram i'm trying to grow my profile i'm trying to grow my level of photography you know um it's getting known now there are a lot more people sort of knowing the photography and knowing my sort of page and stuff which is great you know any photographer you'll know starting out is hard you know starting out is really hard to get going especially on instagram there's so many so many people now like bloggers and all this stuff that have just got hundreds of thousands of followers you know it's hard being a little fish in a big pond trying to get that that initial bite you know um i'm dangling a massive snake here on a line and no one's biting you know <laughs> yeah i mean there's a really great community of photographers i mean just i found on instagram of guys that all maybe necessarily don't know each other in person but are supporting each other off of everybody's posts and you start to obviously especially with instagram once you follow one person you see sort of comments from other people and and that's how you sort of you, you if you get into that community you know you can really sort of make some good friendships with people who have very sort of similar interests and there are some fantastic um photographers on instagram so you know it's always worth sort of seeing who's out there and obviously for yourself being where you're based you know there's probably photographers and like people like yourselves that um sort of are traveling and i guess give you the opportunity to sort of meet up with them and that kind of thing yeah it's great yeah i mean there are opportunities all over to meet up with these these kinds of people um I've, I've bumped into so many people actually now, like on the mountains and things who, who, who recognize my van more than anything, you know, they come across my van and they're like, Oh, J Paul adventures. And I'm like, yes, uh, Jay. And they're like, Oh, nice to meet you. You know, didn't recognize you recognize the van, of course, big military green van. Who's not going to notice it, you know? Um, but yeah, you do come across a lot of people. I come across the same sort of people as I'm going around these places like Glencoe, uh, the Cairngorms, Isle of Skye. You do tend to come across these same sort of people because we all love the same locations. We all love the same sort of shots, you know. So especially if you're an adventure sort of adventurer, you like those adventure shots, those mountain shots, you will come across the same sort of people time and time again, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I'm very jealous of you being, you living up in Scotland. I mean, unfortunately, I live down in Kent, so there's not tons of places to, to shoot sort of on the same scale as you, but I've got plans to go to the Lake District next year. So hopefully, hopefully there'll be something will come from well, that. Well, if, uh, if you ever want to venture up Scotland, Alex, you're sure to give me a shout. Um, Certainly will. 
pretty cool locations and uh yeah i'll have a, have a venture out somewhere definitely yeah sounds good well thank you very much for taking time out of your day to chat with us today um so just um do you want to remind the guys how they can find you on instagram yeah, if you want to um, look for jpaul underscore adventures, that's J-A-Y Paul underscore adventures, uh, find me on there. Uh, there will be a lot more shots going up. Obviously, as restrictions get lifted, uh, there will be a lot more content going up. I've been sort of limited recently. Um, this weekend, I'm heading out to the Cairngorms, so look out for some uh, pretty cool shots there, should the weather hold up. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Alex. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers.